Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got a very interesting episode here for you this morning about love. Uh, We did not plan to really talk about this, but just because of where John was geographically located for the podcast and what he was up to this past weekend, um, I think it just kind of naturally came up a conversation and we had a very enlightening conversation about what it means to love, uh, the importance of love, and sometimes the inconvenience of love, and maybe why sometimes it's not done to the degree it should. So really, really interesting conversation here that, you know, I think might be actually one of my favorites over the last hundred or so episodes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. We can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then, our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Amor, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got myself, Austin, out in Elmer, Quebec, and Amher out in Etobicoke, Ontario. We rarely change spots these days, but we got John out in, what are you, Nelson? I am 13 miles outside of Nelson right now. Nelson, British Columbia. You've been changing changing locations on us every week here, John. This is uh, it's interesting. You're keeping us on our toes. You're out, you're out visiting who? I'm out visiting my, uh, my family, mainly my mother. Awesome. And how's that been? It looks like you're surrounded by a pretty cozy environment there. You got that nice stone fireplace in the back. To be honest, this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite rooms in the entire world. It's my grandmother's office. Wow. Yeah. Hey, can you turn the camera a bit? Can you show yeah, me? Yeah, let's you see this Sure. So nice, beautiful. That fireplace looks gorgeous. Yeah, it's um, it's fantastic, and this is the view out the. This is such good oh content. Oh my god! Wow. And, uh, by the way, my grandmother. Oh my god! Was, that is looks gorgeous. like a painting. We need to get faith on this YouTube clip here because this is some horrendous content for a podcast. (laughs) You know, 20 plus million dollar American, you know, real estate fund or a real estate portfolio from that desk right there. Savage. That's absolute savage. Yeah. Let's go. Grandmother Morgan. I guess she's not grandmother Morgan. What is she? Grandmother who? Grandmother Marzicola. Oh, the Italian. The Italian connection. Pretty savage. Yeah, my grandmother. Like a mafia office. There's no. Yo, we got to get your grandmother on the pod, man. Let's go. Uh, that, that in person we could definitely do that. True. Ooh, she wouldn't Texas? do anything over the internet. <laughs> fly her. Yeah, out let's to fly her to Texas when we go there. <laughs> uh, she would maybe meet us in L.A. <laughs> okay, oh, that's, that's close by, I guess. <laughs> You're not kicking oh, my grandmother too. Yeah. yeah. Here's the interesting thing, actually. So my grandparents are both like, you know, my grandfather and my grandmother are independently very wealthy. So my grandmother, of course, inherited, you know, millions of dollars back in the 60s 
you know, seventies. So I mean, oh she God. was, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she was rich to even begin with. Right. Um, because my, 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 my great grandfather, Lewis Shell was a very successful businessman in, in Los Angeles. And he died at a pretty young age. And because of that, my grandmother inherited a lot of money young as well. And so that's kind of where her source of wealth was. I mean, she's grown it a considerable amount and she still owns a lot of the property that he bought, you know, like even, even just today, I was, we were talking about some, my grandmother owns 40 acres just randomly in the middle of Ontario. Like just cause like her, her father bought that. Like when she was like, dude, know, that's fire. Why don't we go, why don't we go hang out there for a bit? It's in the middle of literally nowhere. Like, yeah. But point being like my grandmother's owns like these really random things and whatnot. Right. And, um, you know, but you know, so that's how that's her source of wealth is mainly real estate and her, her father. Okay. And my grandfather is um, a highly intelligent individual. He's a psychiatrist. Um, so doctor, and, uh, but also uh, his, his father is a, a very prominent scientist. I uh, invented actually a lot of things that you guys would, you know, like an ox, you know, like when you see someone at the hospital, they have oxygen, you know, with the hall hooked up. He invented oxygen. He invented, well, he invented the, the, uh, the, the device. Okay. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so that's my, that's my grandfather's father. And, and my, so my father, either way, point being, uh, his, his father was a really successful investor, still is, uh, you know, sharpest attack at 90. And then my, my grandfather, Michael, uh, is also a pretty successful investor, real estate and stuff like that. Anyway, point being, they're both very independently wealthy. And so to try and get them to do anything that they don't want to do is just not really a thing. Because, you know, when you tell someone if, if time and money wasn't a problem, what would you do? Well, no. my grandparents are basically the definition of that. Because my grandmother has never had a job. She's never worked a single, you know, as far as like a functional like T4 income or, you know, or in, you know, obviously here in Canada, T4, not a thing. Right. So she, you know, she's lived her life exactly the way she wants to. And so, so is my grandfather and they, you know, they, they spend their time doing exactly what they want. They're not, there's not really convinced. So moving, flying to Texas is not a thing, you know, trying to convince my grandmother to come speak on a, on a podcast over the internet. That's like not a thing that she would do. Like it's just not, <laughs> that's it, so the internet is a foreign thing to her. She, I can totally she, get it now. She yeah. lives completely outside of, of traditional, let's say, you know, life. What does she do with her time? I'm really curious then, because it just sounds like she's she like the anomaly in every sense. She reads a lot of philosophy. I mean, I, I wish I could walk around this house with you. I mean, you know, there's, she travels the world. I mean, anywhere you look around this house, there's paintings, there's, there's artwork, there's, you know, rocks and, and you know, there's just random things all over the place. Um, there's books everywhere. Like, and she reads like voraciously. Um, she uh, Jeez, she's studied the... philosophy essentially her entire life and, She's, she, you know, she's, she's really studied the art of life, uh, art of living. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. eh? Wait, what, what branch of philosophy does she, does she like? Well, she was a Christian at first. So no, but what like, branch what... of philosophy? Does she well, she's about? actually introduced me to a lot of different um, philosophies. Uh, one of the most interesting books that she ever gave me was actually uh, from Ayn Rand. Oh, Ayn Rand. Yeah. 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 She gave me um, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, ver- uh, the virtue of selfishness. Hmm. Um, that was a, that was a book that she gave me, which was interesting. But yeah, I mean the I Ching, um, you know, believer of astrology, that kind of stuff. Like she's she's very funny that way. Uh, yeah, she's she's a beautiful human being. That's amazing. Cool. And wh- what are you doing up there? Like, how are you been? Like, are you just reading? What are you up to? I just just been chit chatting with my family. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Um, 
like, I'm not sure what your guys' relationship is like with your family, but mine has always been very distant because, you know, when I grew up, uh, up until about age 11, I spent, you know, almost every, you know, every day at my grandparents' house, you know, at the beach, just, you know, just in the, in the foreground here. And, you know, you know, every day with my, my mother, of course I lived with her. And, uh, but then there was a six year period there where I had zero contact with my mother's side of my family at all. Uh, no communication at all. I didn't talk to my mom for almost six years. My grandparents never heard from, you know, it was, it was non-existent. Right. <clears throat> but during the first 12 years of my life, I had no relationship with the father, my, my father's side of the family, zero. I didn't even know I actually had, like I learned the word biological at the age, like age of nine. And I, I, I found out my name was John when I was like eight or nine years old, you know, like before that I was Giovanni. Like even like when I'm out here, everyone calls me G. <laughs> right. That's my name's G like, you know, like on the sandwich and everything, you know, it's G right. That's Giovanni. Cool. And, uh, so everyone calls is that your legal here, name, Giovanni? It was at one point. Yeah. It was Giovanni Antonio Marzicola. Hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, that would actually, <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. Okay. Either way. And so, but now it's reversed. I mean, it's, at this point I, I don't have, you know, very little contact with my father's side of the family again. Uh, and, and now I have quite a bit of contact with my mother's side, but even at that though, I mean, my sisters, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. I don't really know my family. Like, I, you know, I don't know what your relationship, but like, I don't, it, so I, when I get to chat with them, it's, it's like talking to a stranger, but there's familiarity, like, like, you know, it, it's, it, and um, one of the, one of the things that I've kind of observed with families is that it's hard for them to grasp that you're different every time you may see them. Yeah especially someone I can only imagine my family must think that I'm a fucking psychopath because, you know, every year they see me, I'm probably a completely different human being. Right. I mean, it was only four years ago. Like my mom's hard, having a hard time grasping like what's going on in my life. Like, you know, with my success, you know, because it was only four years ago that I rode up to her house in a fucking minivan that I had to hold 45 degrees to the right for the steering wheel for it to go straight overheating and broken back left window with duct tape over it. And now, you know, I'm talking about, you know, how I'm going to do over, you know, over a million dollars in revenue. She's like, what the, like, how, what the fuck happened here? Right. You know, cause she only gets, she goes, she's only seen me like six times. Like, so six times ago I was in a minivan mm. six mm. times, you know, six meetings later, I'm, you know, I'm rolling up and, you know, so it's just, it's, it's different. Right. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And my sister, for example, she, she knew me as a pack a day smoker eating fast food. And now today she's like, wait, you run marathons? Like what? Right. So Why, like, okay. there's a gap there. I, I want to know this. Your mom asks you, John, what the heck happened six meetings ago? You were this guy. How do you answer that question? What do you say to that? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and this is, you know, this is, you could call this a critique of my family. I, I will say this. My family um, is very, let's say, uh, self-absorbed that, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, let's say there's not, there's, there's not much inquiry, let's say. Oh, okay. There, oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so the short and sweet answers do it justice. Well, is what you're saying. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, for, you know, my, you'd be like, Oh, I changed I, a few things and they're like, yeah, okay. I, I, uh, I have like sort of like a, the, the, unfortunately the persona that I have in the family is that like, I'm like the gifted one. Hmm. Interesting. Like I was just like, I, just like everyone knew me as like G at twelve. Left. Now I come back and I'm like this 
I'm trying to like make this business work. Right. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, um, he's gifted. Well, like, like, but like they don't, cause they don't know the That's hard so work. That's so demeaning, man. That's so demeaning. No, but they don't know the hard work that I had to put in. Like even today, like, you know, like my, my stepfather was like, you know, cause I was making a comment about what well, I won't get into it, but there was, there, we were talking about, you know, money basically. And he's like, well, you, your money comes to you so easy. That's why you have that opinion. Oh and, man. Yeah. Oh my God. And, but it's interesting. Right. And, and, you know, and it, it's, it's just fascinating. Cause it's like, they don't know the hard work that I've had to put in and, you know, that I, cause they don't see that. Right. They, they just see the, you know, the six, you know, they only get to see me every, you know, every couple of year, you know, every, every couple Snapshot. at most twice a year. Right. And uh, it's, it's really fascinating to, to, like even, but even when I meet my sisters, for example, I don't know who they are. They don't know who I am. Like, like I love my mother, but like they, she doesn't know me, right? Like she doesn't know really yeah. who I am other than I'm her son, but like, she's not there day to day with me. Like she doesn't know the struggle or the hard work or, or even what I do. Like she doesn't like, she, like she knows I read, but she doesn't know like that I'm up every day at five thirty. Like it's, it's in, like, that's not even a thing to her. Like she doesn't, you know. What amount of, uh, I, I guess how much of who you are do you think is represented based on the fact that you didn't have a, I guess you could say common relationship with your, either of your parents. Like the fact that the fact that you didn't have like, you know, I look at the relationship with my mother, like there was never a time in my life where I was distant or like, it was just constantly talking to her all the time. And I would have to believe that, well, I, I have a distant relationship with my father for sure, but I think that for to have it with both my parents would be a bit interesting, right? Like the flip flop kind of that you well, that you described now, but right, but, but we're not. She doesn't really know. Me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. Is yeah. that the fact that neither of your parents really know you then, right? No. no. So what? How much of that do you think? turned you into who you are in terms of demeanor, work ethic, anything? Did it impact certain areas of you? If so, which, which areas? Well, I would say that, I mean, I, I, I don't really know how to answer that too well, but the, the first thing that come to mind is that the biggest motivation, one of the biggest motivators for me, and this is something that I've been actually kind of really thinking a lot lately and, and Trish and I have been kind of even sort of, I'm a very, um, cerebral individual like I, you know like uh, or is cerebral the right word like um auditory like positive affirmations are above and beyond what gets me going you know like you could give me a gift and it could it, it literally could mean zero to me but just saying good job or i'm proud of you or anything like that i would say goes a long way like yeah. That, and, and so I would imagine that the fact that I've had a very distant relationship with both of my parents, I would mm -hmm. imagine that I've, for, for my, for most of my life, I've, I really have never had someone, you know, just pat me on the back and say, Hey, good job. Acknowledgement. V very little acknowledgement. You know, what's funny because I, I was thinking about you the other day, John, um, and what you said to us a couple of years ago when we started this podcast, I think was the year no, it was last year that you were trying to go for most improved, right? In, in, in student works, you were trying to shoot for the most improved franchisee. And yeah, I, I got snubbed on that. Yeah, I know, but I can't, I can't imagine. Uh, well, I was trying to think, <clears throat> well, I was thinking about my business and what I'm doing this year. I was like, you know, I feel like I've improved a lot 
like I would think I've improved more this year from last year than I have any other year. And I, I think that just based off of how I'm performing and how things are going and, and obviously all the intricacies that aren't really, you're not even really able to talk about over a podcast, you'd more so have to like follow me around both different times and see for yourself, I guess. But if you were to ask like Patrick, the person I'm working with is my coach. Like, I think he might agree. Like, I just think things are going way simpler and things are, things are going well. And I was thinking, Oh man, like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice to get like, and I was like, wait, no, that's it. Like if I recognize that I'm doing better than I was, that's really all I need, you know? And I was thinking about you, John, where it's like, you were so dialed into getting that most improved award because I can see why it would mean so much to you. Right. Like that pat on the back would be like the mother, like the, 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 the biggest pat on the back you could have ever had. Right. Is that maybe yeah. reading into it too much or is that. Like public acknowledgement. Well, I would say this. I, I don't want to leave any doubt. Right. Yeah. Fair. I can see that. I can definitely see that. I don't want to leave any doubt. I don't think you ever leave much doubt <laughs> in, in, in any conversation that we have. No, but I mean like, like in the way that I perform. No, I know. Yeah. Any, anything, anything that's not, you know, uh, above and beyond in the form of excellence, as far as, you know, what, what, what I'm trying to achieve to me would be a disappointment because I would want to leave zero, zero doubt, you know, and, and so that it's frustrating when, at least that's the goal. I don't really perform yeah. to that level, unfortunately at times, but, but trying to get to the point where there's zero doubt that, um, uh, that I'm successful. Hmm. Doubt for who yourself. Yeah, probably. Do you think it matters to you if your family take, for example, your mom's side that you're with right now visiting knows that you're successful? Yeah, it means a lot to me. Yeah, I bet. What have you discovered on this trip that you weren't expecting to discover that you're kind of maybe discovering right now? I would say that 
uh, feeling loved is much more important to me than I would allow myself to believe at times. I think it takes, uh, I think it takes a lot of courage to say that, especially for someone that I, I look at you, John, I see someone that really lives and dies by their values of being indifferent to what they can't control and, and being as strong and resi- resilient as they can. And to see, you know, you say that, I think, I think speaks a lot to, to not only your character, but who you're becoming, you know, by, by putting in the work and going to see your family and actually sitting, I wouldn't say sitting through these encounters, but putting in the work to, you know, you didn't have to drive up to Nelson to see them, right? Like you're running a million dollar business. I'm sure you could have done a lot of other shit this weekend. Um, but it shows that you care. And I think it shows that you see the value. So I think, what, what do you think stops you from admitting that sometimes? somewhere along the way my perception of what it means to be weak I think uh, yeah Mm. I think a lot of the decisions that I make on a daily basis are based on what I what what my perceptions are of what it means to be a weak person wow at what point in your life did you feel weak enough to want to avoid it to that degree well there's several that come to mind but it's hard to say i don't know well because i kind of see i mean it seems like you're almost peeling back the lines of defense you've put up over the years, right? Like you're seeing the value in what you're doing and, and reconnecting with your family like you are. Um, but it seems like there's pushback from your own self, you know, a little bit. Is that, is that fair? Or like, you're kind of, like you said, you, you, know that love is more important than sometimes you'd like to admit. Is it kind of like you versus you in a sense here? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, it was obvious to me earlier that when you said, you know, it's just really important to not leave any doubt about success. Right. And then Amher said, do you think that's only important for you to know there's no doubt or is it important to know for others? Right. And it's funny that Amber asked that question because I didn't even think to ask that. And that didn't even come to mind because I instinctively thought you meant your family. Like that's literally just what I thought when you said to leave no doubt, I just thought you meant to leave no doubt to my family that, that I had a, a good life and, and lived a good life and changed lives and delivered value and, however you want to measure success. Right. Um, so, and what I thought of initially after that was, 
most things you've shared about with me, at least, and I would say 90% of our conversations that I've ever had with you have occurred in this setting over a microphone on a podcast, um, have been, and so I, I feel like I don't really know you as much as, as maybe other people who have spoke to you this much, but nonetheless, um, you, your values really reflect that of not caring about what people think about you and only focusing on what you can control. So I only, like, I just kind of got really present to like that possible confliction is what I'm trying to say. Would you yeah, say that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, see, to me, um, the desire to feel loved, you know, seems to come from a place of weakness because you, you can't control whether or not people love you. That's exactly what I'm, what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 What, what would Marcus say about this? Well, he would probably say something along the lines of that. There's no, there's no use in worrying about being loved because it's, it's outside of your control. However, what you can control is, you know, um, your perceptions of that, but also how much love you give. And I don't know if anyone would definitely accuse me of being too loving. And, and given that's the thing that's the most in my control, it seems like I could, possibly change some of my views on that, on that. Yeah. Wow. Damn, dude. Jeez. That was nice. That mm. hit me in the heart. Seriously. Cause I, I, uh, definitely need to do more of that. Well, it's interesting because yeah. so funny man like family you know you're like born with them and it's like <laughs> you feel like you don't need them but then dude I but then they, one day they just love you like you go out play some basketball with them and then you feel like nothing else matters or you go sit down and for some tea you know and then it feels wow, like i don't even necessarily mean family though i mean think about how many relationships you know you may have had over the years where you know if you, if, if you just stop focusing on whether or not that they loved you or cared about you, but rather just focused on, because I think what I'm starting to realize is that, you know, my mom, my mom probably just wants to feel loved as well. Um, I remember I was in, uh, I was in New York doing ILP for landmark the, and, um, I was getting coaching about, you know, how I feel like my mom is maybe not doing her best or that she could be doing more. I'm just like judging her situation. And then I remember getting coaching from Audrey. She's like, what do you think is the most important thing for your mom to feel? And then it took me like 10 minutes to figure out the answer. But then I came to the same conclusion John did, which is she just wants to feel loved. Yeah. And I remember uh, standing behind uh, some stairs in New York, in this building, calling my mom and just like apologizing for like being so judgmental and uh, just telling her that I love her. And I broke down in tears. I cried the hardest I've ever cried in my life because it, it just became so clear to me in that moment 
the only thing that matters to my mom is that I just like to show her love. So yeah. true. It's like I remember like like Audrey, my coach, was like, Hammer, you're such an idiot, you know maintaining a healthy relationship with your mom is like the easiest thing ever. The only thing moms want is just to feel loved. That's it. And I'm like, Oh my God, it hit me so hard. And I learned that lesson. And, you know, till this day, it's like, I don't know. It just, uh, it's always in the back of my mind whenever I see my mom, just like, Oh, you know, my mom's not feeling good today. Well, she probably didn't feel loved today. So then I would hug her tight, give her a kiss on the cheek. And then all of a sudden she'd be really happy. And it's just like, yeah, man. I think I'm going to call her after this, you know. I just, I had, dinner. I I just, just... I just had dinner with her, but I'm just going to give her another call, you know. Just tell her. I literally you know? just texted my mom. <laughs> I was like, damn, this is hitting me hard here. Um, well, I think we talked about this before, right? About how, like, have we talked about, like, that? how many times you'll see your family ever again? Yeah, we uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't that one always, like, mind-blowing? Where That's like, tough. That's tough. More times, or, you know, 100 yeah. more times or whatever it is, right? Well, you know, it's interesting, too, right? Like, my uh, – it's just, man, the human human behavior and how you'll act with, like, you know, when you, when you re – you put something in a new perspective and you just think differently about, you know, how many opportunities you have left. Like, I hadn't seen my dad in probably, I'm going to say, four months – and he lives like down the road from me. Like he lives probably like 15 minute, 12 minute drive from me. And it's just because I've been so busy and that sounds so stupid. Uh, but I hadn't seen him in like a long time. And then I went and saw him on Father's Day and he had like a um, a little chunk on it. Like he had got, it looked like he got a little bit of like surgery done on his head. I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh yeah, I, I had cancer you're kidding he's like i had i had a melanoma on my head like i had skin cancer and i was like man have i been living under a rock like you know it's like i just got really present to like and he's totally fine he doesn't have any more cancer in him they just removed this little like uh it looked like a mole essentially but it was cancerous and they removed it and he's fine but uh he's like yeah don't worry like nothing's wrong but yeah i didn't want to worry you I was like, man, that's the type of relationship I have with my dad, you know, like, and, and it, I just got really, I just got really present to that. I'm like, man, I need to change this ASAP, you know, Remember how we talked last week about like the success and what the, oh success man, yeah. Had. What a great time conversation so, this is. Yeah. No, but like, look at this. It's like, I, I think we all share the order, which is health, wealth, love, and happiness. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting I think we've solved health. The three of us were pretty healthy. We, we've been running wealth. We're kind of solving right now. And we're, feel, we're getting to those moments mm. where like we were doubting ourselves. We're saying money. You remember last time we talked about last week? Oh, are we getting too fat? You know, are we getting too comfortable? So wealth is kind of getting ticked off. Now mm. we're starting to scratch love. And that's what we're experiencing right now. Oh, that's fascinating. Isn't that fat? That's what I, that's the observation I just made. We're starting to scratch that third layer. And as we're scratching it, I think we're all three of us are now feeling a little bit of happiness because it's becoming more and more clear. And I think that's going to be the next challenge as we keep jumping between wealth and love back and forth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Really? Man, the amount I've discounted love, period. It's so it's crazy, just been, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even just how much we hold back because we're we're focusing on too much about ourselves and not enough about the other individual. So true. 
Yeah, it's called self-improvement, right? So it's like we get we focus so much on the self and the improvement. But then but then it would make sense that your grandpa would say, Oh, well, you know, money comes easy to you. It would make sense because yes, that's what you're focusing on. Not my not my grandpa, my stepfather, but yeah. Stepfather, I apologize. But it would make sense why somebody would say that, right? So it's like uh so maybe the the next chapter of a uh of a to-do list. You know, we, we always like, oh, did you run today? Did you work out today? Did you invest today? What's your revenue? Maybe it's time to start actually thinking about like, hey, did you do one selfless act today to somebody you love? Yeah. Did you, you know, did you make somebody feel loved today? Even if it's a stranger. I can't see why we can't stop, you know? That's an interesting one. Uh, I, like the, I like the wording of that. Did you make someone feel loved today? Because yeah. it's interesting. I mean, there's some days where, you know, like I even reflect on like my reflected a bit more on my relationship with Trisha, right? I mean, I, you know, I can't help but think, I mean, maybe I'm, I've been more reserved in, in the way that I express my love. That's exactly for, what I was thinking. Yeah, right. About and, me and, and Miranda and I, yeah. Miranda and, and Amber, you and, you know, your family, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, it's kind of crazy how, 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 how reserved we, yeah, how reserved we can be. You know, it's funny you point out that uh, a couple minutes ago, about the idea of giving love as being the solution to having love. And like everybody kind of, I even, I catch myself a lot of the times looking at relationships and love is, is more transactional than transformative, you know? And, and mm, interesting. And not because I'm like, Oh, uh, what did you give me? I'll give, you know, I'll give you a proportionate amount in return, but you're constantly kind of just looking for, I guess that's not the right way of saying it, constantly looking for something. But I, I often f- catch myself not just automatically thinking, oh, if I want to improve this relationship, strictly speaking, what can I do? Like, it's always, well, what has the other person done as well? Like, I'm looking at it a little bit more transactional. And I wouldn't say I only look at it transactionally, but the fact that it's just an evaluation criteria is, is a bit, you know, I'm realizing is a little bit, uh, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, because I look at them, I go, Oh, well, what have you done for me? I'm not going to do that for you. And, and that's, if that factors into the equation, even 1%, I think you'll always end up having relationships that aren't like purely authentic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like Amher, even it caught me like with you this week because we had the mix up with the recording being sent to me Mm. and I immediately went to, oh, well, you know, like clearly you were experiencing something that I did. I wasn't aware of. Right. Like you, there was something in recording to the wrong person. No, 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 no. Emmer just didn't. Emmer usually edits it and sends it to me. And then I add the intro, outro, upload it for release, et cetera. And I, and I like to get it done before the podcast records. Cause by the time we finish, it's usually 10 PM and I go to bed and, and anyway, like that's so selfish. Right. And, and just being like, instead of being like, Hey, when can you get it to me? And, and then thinking to myself that it's like, you know, like I just really want, like, usually it's sent on Friday. I was like, man, this is kind of kind of getting out of not getting out of hand i'm not using the right words here but i just should have been like yo what you know is there anything i can help you out with like i think that was more my fault though because i think i sent my recording late 
nonetheless, it just speaks to the way I was thinking about it, right? Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. No, that was more my fault, actually. I, yeah. I, I, I but, but still, I just like, I obviously cool. love Ammer and one of my closest friends and just thinking at it like, hey, man, what oh. can I do for you? You know? Dude, I actually have such a great example of that. So, so, so one of the interesting things, and this has actually kind of made me reflect a lot about, I mean, I read a lot about family dynasties to begin with and, and you know, you know, there was a conversation that, 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 that happened today that I thought was so, so interesting. And one of the, one of the dynamics in my, my, in my family is the fact that my grandmother is as wealthy as she is. And in a lot of ways, I think it's really held my family back in some ways, because I feel like mm. a lot of my uncles and my mother have sort of uh, not necessarily gone out and necessarily pursued their own wealth in a lot of ways. Right. And there's, there's, there's a constant transactional kind of nature to a lot of like making things fair. Okay. And there was a, there was a moment where, you know, one of my family members was talking about how another family member was given a a fairly substantial amount of money to hire a lawyer for some sort of legal troubles they were having and how that individual thought it was unfair that the rest of the family didn't also get that same amount of money you know, out of, out of fairness. Mm. And I just kind of stopped and I thought to myself, just to clarify here, like this individual needed some legal trouble. Like they had some legal trouble. Like they needed, they needed a lawyer and they didn't have the means to do it for themselves. Like we, would we not as a family want that individual to have great legal counsel to solve this issue? Like, why are we making this a, a, a what's fair, you know, like, why, like, why is this a transactional thing? Like, if, if our concern was of the well-being of every individual family member here, this wouldn't even be an issue. Like we would, the money would be in their bank account tomorrow and they would, they would have their legal defense. But if we haven't, if we're making this, that everyone has to get the same amount of money, then this, we're not going to get anywhere here. Right. And I just transactional relationship. Right. And it's interesting, you know, it, it's made me really think about my relationship with money as well. And, and how that's something that I, you know, just something to consider, right, going forward, right, about how money can really change a lot of people in that way. It can, it can forget, it can, it can make us forget a lot about love and can make us forget and just think about dollar signs, transactions, right? Yeah, kind of kind of... when I brought it up, I was like, hold on, we're talking about getting a lawyer for this person. Like, do we not want that? Like, and everyone was like, oh, right, like, as in, like, yeah, it was interesting. I'll never forget this conversation I had with two people that I, re- I really, really respect in, in business. And I won't name them just because of what the conversation was about, but they said, I was kind of complaining. I wasn't complaining. I was just kind of explaining to them a few troubles I was having and, and if they had any advice for me. And it was along those lines, John, it was like way too focused on the business, way too focused on generating money and revenue and profit and all that crap. And I was finding that my relationships were kind of suffering a little bit in, in the peak time of the year. And they said, you know what, Austin, like, you have to really just understand from a very basic standpoint is that if you've come this far and you care that much and you're doing these numbers, you have a sickness. And whether you choose to look at it as a sickness or not is is your prerogative and whether that's negative or positive is your prerogative, but you have a sickness and you care a lot about forward thinking and proactively planning your future from a wealth and securement standpoint, security standpoint that that's great because you'll probably end up having a life that's half decent relative to the rest of the population. But you're going to have these times where it's just, you got to get really like, you got to actually audit yourself in terms of how you're letting that impact your life 
with regards to your relationships and, you know, and they recommended like, you know, building a network or a group of people around me that helps me call it, call, call myself out on that. So like, you know, for example, enrolling my partner to, 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 to stop me or to, you know, want to talk to me or pull me aside when I do start to exert, like if she noticed that I was not really caring as much about spending time with my family, like, Hey, you haven't spent time with your, your dad in a while. Why don't you go hang out with him? And, and, and maybe doing this with two or three different people that are enrolled in and kind of evaluating that for me because of how in the weeds I can get. Um, and, and I have done that and sorry, John, you're muted. I have done that and it's worked, but I think I need to kind of revisit it because I think it's worn off a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, and, and, and now I won't even use the word cause I don't even want to, but it's interesting how each category does need its own attention. I did make, cause I did think about this in the past and there's something, um, uh, there's, there's, when it comes to love, there's an aspect of love that's inherent in it. That is the total opposite of what we're used to in business. And that is what I found is that love is always inconvenient. So not the right time. You're always busy. You have to give them your full attention. You have to be vulnerable. You actually have to be present. You can't fake it. You can't just send a gift. You can't send flowers. It's always inconvenient. Whereas in business, you can spend money, hire people, move things around to maximize convenience. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Wow. Interesting I couldn't point. agree more. I'd never even saw it that way. So if you really look at like, what does it mean to love somebody? It's like to be present is to give them attention and it's to be vulnerable. And it's all the things that we try to avoid in business. Oh man, don't, yo, if you go deeper than this, you're going to get me in tears here, Amory. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, that's. Yeah, only one individual can cry each episode. That's <laughs> yeah, man, this is. Uh, I teared up a bit. <laughs> so I tell you what, this is for, for, for a podcast that we were aiming to be pretty short. I mean, this is packing. A... <laughs> yeah, we got a value pack in here. No, yeah, that's. I, uh... You guys heard I had a, a heart out. You guys were like, let's pack this in. <laughs> I had no Let's idea. Get right we, to the we, we were talking about your office and then we somehow ended up here. I have no idea. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, cause I, I, have only, you know, I don't come to Nelson too often, but I, but I find that the moment I cross this one bridge on the far side of the city, the moment I drive in there, I feel like I'm just a different person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have anything like that? Like, is there certain environments that you find yourself in where hundred percent there is a, uh, I went back um, in April 2019. I went and uh, I drove down to Boston in Massachusetts in this little town called Haverhill where I lived for four years. And it was the last place where my parents were. We lived as a family before my parents got divorced and we, and we moved back home. Um, so I lived in Boston, Massachusetts for four years between like the ages of three and seven and we lived in this massive yellow vinyl house and we drove down there. I drove down there with two of my friends to go watch a Boston Bruins playoff game two years ago. And I'm like, screw it. We're taking a detour. I got the old address for my mom pulled up to the house. And when I pulled up to this house, I, I, I wasn't even sad or happy. I just almost, I, I felt overwhelmed with like just memory and stimulation that yeah. I almost wanted to cry, but I wasn't sad. Like it was just, 
Yeah. It was just like the, 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 the physical environment of like, I hadn't seen this house in 17 years, 16 years, and I'm only 24 years old. So it's like, man, and it was like vivid memories, you know, like I remember being friends with the neighbor. I remember the neighbor's names. If you would have asked me the neighbor's names before I drove there today, that none of that would have been available in my brain. It was That's just like so unlocked. And yeah, no, John, I know exactly the feeling. Yeah. No, I mean, even just when you're saying that, I just, yeah, totally. Like even just being in this room, just, yeah. you know, yeah. It's kind of why I'm low-key even trying to avoid flying back to Jordan. I think you should do like, it, man. <laughs> I don't know. Man. I was so happy that I did it at the time. Like I was obviously like at the, uh, I wasn't, yeah. I was never like upset, but is there, is there like some bad memories there back? No, not made? at all. Not okay. at all. I just don't want to feel that emotion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause of yeah. what I explained. Uh, Austin, uh, this is kind of a side tangent, but how old were you when you lived in that house? Uh, I was seven when I moved out. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to describe something and I bet this happened to you too. So I remember there was a daycare that I went to when I was a child and it's called children's world and it's here in Nelson. And I like, and this is actually the first time I came to Nelson with Trisha, we had about an hour to spare. So I said, let me give you a tour of the town. I'll show you all the kind of spots. Like here's my best friend's house growing up. Here's my school, you know, here's, and I, and I drive and I, and so I'm, I'm going to drive her to the children's world, the daycare I went to. And I was explaining it to her. I'm like, it's massive. There's, jungle gyms oh, everywhere. Yeah. and like like it was like a forest and like it was like this amazing place and like there was you know toys everywhere and we roll up and i and i and like i know it was the right place because it, ha- it has a rain of like a gate on the front of the house that's painted like a rainbow color and it says children's world you can't miss it right and i was like the fuck like i said they move and she's like what do you mean i'm like this is like like it was the, it was comical how thin and how small this house was like it was like the smallest lot you could possibly i mean the house could not be thinner like i mean probably a thousand square feet and i was like what and i like looked over the fence and like the fence first of all was like three feet tall whereas as a kid it it felt like i was like caged in there and the jungle gym no word of a lie was a a set (laughs) of monkey bars with one slot with one slide that like you would maybe buy from rona for like a hundred (laughs) bucks And like, so like, I was oh, dude, I have a, yeah. my place. Like, cause I was like, cause the, on the way there, I was explaining it. Like this is mass, like massive. And Trisha's like, you're like, an idiot. Yeah. Did you have that too? Like when you rolled up to the house, you're like, what? Like, like when I was, when I was six or shortly before we moved, I had gone down the hill that my house was on, on a skateboard on my stomach and hit a rock and completely skinned my face. Like when I said I skinned my face, like I looked like I belonged in a horror movie. Like, my forehead was almost gone. Like I was just a mess. And yeah. um, anyway, so you were- <laughs> I remember going, I remember driving back to the hill. I'm like, yo, this hill though, I'm going to, I want to see yeah, this yeah. hill. Dude, the hill was like maybe like 12 degrees. <laughs> it was like, I almost lived on a flat street. That's how much the hill is. I'm like, in my brain, the hill was like this. It was like super pitch. I'm like, I'm like, yo, this is, it's insane how your brain will just, Austin, same, same thing as well. Yeah. So like the, the <laughs> yeah. day that we moved to Nelson uh, with my mom, I grabbed my tricycle and I, and I decided that I was going to gap a set of stairs on this tricycle. Like that was That's just like, insane, man. You know, so as everyone was unpacking the van, here's me take my trike down the street and I, I decided to ride it down a staircase. And <laughs> again, I'm like telling Trisha, like, you know, two for two on the day. I'm like, yeah, man, this staircase, it was like 20 oh. stairs. Like I, you know, 
And and I, I, I told him down Chatham Street. And I was like, and I even like called my mom. I'm like, hey mom, like, did they like rip out that staircase? And she's like, no, it's at the end of the street. So I drive back. It was one stair. <laughs> it was one stair. Like, like it was it was basically just like another, it was like a second curve. I was like, that's it? What? Like <laughs> that's so great. Wow. But like in my mind, I was like, it was like oh, 20 man. stairs. I like fell down it, like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. And I and I and I busted my teeth right through my lip oh dude what the hell literally i had that same like my tooth yeah. came through my lip went to the hospital and like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 man well if you've made it this far in the episode folks <sighs> call your mom call your dad yeah dude tell somebody next to you you'll love them yeah you know? it's seriously. gonna make you uncomfortable it's you got an angry client tell them you love them tell them you're there for them just yeah. hug them no yeah. don't, don't them. touch your clients please wear, wear a mask but hug them <laughs> I just want to hear the wise. I just want to hear the wise. Yeah, I don't think we're going to mess with this episode with some whack. Yeah. It's, too, it's too pure. It's too pure. So let me give a bit of context to this because I, you know, this is, there's, I think there's actually much more wisdom in this than, than what you would just first glance at. But the context of this is that, and I'd like to discuss this a little bit afterwards, but the context of this is that there's this family, um, uh, the uh, Siegelmans, I believe it is, or the Lehman brother, Lehmans. Either way, point being, they bought a, a, a copper mine and they're trying to convince the railroads to, um, uh, they, they convinced the railroads to build a railroad to this tiny little copper mine. Okay, but they, but they had to meet a guarantee. They had to give the, the trains a certain amount of co uh, copper. Okay, and if they didn't, then the, the trains would stop going there. Okay, so there's a high risk. And so here's the context. So their ability to persuade the railroads to reroute their lines was only in the beginning, beginning of a larger problem. How to meet those guarantees, which actually presented a double challenge. First, to find sufficient ore to make up the guaranteed tonnages, and then, if possible, to ship even more. In their contracts with the two railroads, Lowensons had clauses to the effect that the more ore they shipped, the lower the freight rate would be. Since then, shipping laws have been passed that give small manufacturers an even chance, but in those days, the biggest shippers got the biggest breaks. While the railroad tracks were being laid, Adolf came up with, the, with one of his best ideas. He looked at all the low-grade ore dumped from the Calusa in a giant slag heap, considered un, unusable. It was being discarded as waste, but Adolf calculated if those tons of waste were shipped by freight somewhere, anywhere, they would give him his guaranteed tonnage and mean that his high grade ore could be shipped at a much lower rate. Wow. Yeah. What I, uh, you sent me that email and I read it three times and I was like, essentially, I mean, you're saying why this was like, you know, mid 1800s, essentially what he discovered was we have fixed costs <laughs> and if we can just simply meet those fixed costs, our marginal cost of our marginal profit can be very high. Yeah. And I can't help but think there's so many situations in business where it sometimes it's worth, you know, just shipping out that the stuff that you don't think is worth it, right? Just to meet those those higher threshold of numbers. And I mean, in student works, th there's a, literally a declining royalty. Dude. Yeah. It's just, it's present everywhere though. Like I had a... I had a $16,000 project almost go pending because she's like, well, if you like put it this way, she's like, I'll, I'll sign right now if you can clean my windows. Cause cleaning my windows is about $900 a year. 
And if you can just clean my windows while you're up there on my third story, you know, painting it, I'll book with you. And I remember thinking, okay, well, I don't know how to clean windows. So I'm going to have to hire somebody to clean windows. So I negotiated that into the price a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, I kind of have to deal with this like fixed cost of low profit on window cleaning to go and, 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 and produce this massive job. And it was, it was totally worth it because I was able to find somebody that knew how to do it and, and help us out with it. But it was totally undesirable to me in the moment. I'm like, I never want to offer, like, I, I was very reluctant to just offer a service with a high degree of satisfaction is something I've never done. I know it's just cleaning windows, but at the same time, it's like, it's, there's a way to do it. And I didn't know how. So it's like, I, I, I definitely ate the fixed cost for a larger marginal profit return. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but that's just a little wrinkle. It's like, it's present everywhere. Like you kind of deal with this to get that. That's a very, that's oh, a quote know, that's really beyond its time. Amber, I know in your space, uh, like, well, you know, in very vast generalization, but just online world, I, you know, I've heard of tactics of some businesses, even having a, an introductory product of some sort that they basically break even on just to then yeah. have the opportunity to then, you know, like, so for example, like a good example of this might be, and I'm just going to make it an example, let's say a razor blade company where, the first, you know, maybe they break even on the actual uh, razor. Um, I don't even know what you would call it. The handle. shaver itself, the handle. But then they make their money on the razors, right? You know, and yeah. That, yeah. So I, I remember reading this like giant PDF around startup companies and how that is like a, it's called a loss leader, right? You have a lead, just loss leader where you just break even mm-hmm. to use to attract um customers and revenue that exists yeah totally i don't use it in my business anywhere but it's uh, that's not currently in my strategy not yet because i still have to prove mine uh before changing anything but uh yeah no i mean that's wisdom that's business 101 but even just even just the wisdom to look at something that was considered waste and yes. say how can we use this to our benefit? Oh yes. yeah. That's not, a, my example wasn't a great thing. cost them money in the form of having to dispose of it as waste to now actually contributing to their bottom line. I, wow. I have an example. I had emails of all these people that, that opted into my website that were not ideal buyers. They were just not ideal buyers. They wouldn't, they wouldn't reply to my emails. They wouldn't even open them and let alone would schedule a call, let alone, invest in their business by purchasing our product. I took all their emails and I discovered there's a feature on Facebook where you can just grab all the emails, put them in an Excel sheet and then put it in uh, in Facebook as its own audience. And Facebook swifts through these people's emails, finds their Facebook profiles, gets to see their past uh, history of websites they've visited over the past 30 days, and then figures out a, a sort of profile to what those people are so that they can avoid them while I'm running ads. Mm. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Is that crazy? Yo, that's next level though. That's actually scary, but it's scary. Good. You know, like it's scary accurate. Yeah. There's like, here's this list of people who've exhibited the traits I don't want, figure out what they have in common. And then this person likes Justin Timberlake or something like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. But uh, it, it, it's helped increase my bottom line. My cost per acquisition is starting to drop a bit because of this. That's um, interesting. What a great example. Yeah. Um, so anyways, thank you for listening to this podcast. And um, 
Anything Bit of a short goes? one for you, John. John's gonna go hang out with the fam. Gonna go, gonna go give some love. All right. Well, John. have a good one. Yeah, there see you, go. you guys. Take care, guys. Hey, listeners! Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.